Hey y'all, a quick note before we get into it. This episode, like all our quarantine episodes, was pre-taped in late April or early May. The official stance of myself, Brandon, and this show is that Black Lives Matter. Thank you for listening. Ninety fiancés, ninety ways out. No ways out? All the ways out. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to I Think You'd Be Into It, the podcast about your faves. I'm your host, Brandon Beck. I like when I leave you to come up with a bit about things that you clearly don't have any concept of what they are. Um, this isn't some sort of, like, arena rumble show? No. Ah. No, it's not. it's not wrestling. That's a different show. I should just hang up then. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, now that we've gotten that, you know, audio poison out of the way, I'm your other host, Beth Scorzato. Hey, and today we have our lovely guest with us, Erica Curry. Welcome, Erica. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you know Erica from all over the L.A. comedy scene at the PAC, uh, from Jacked Wrestling. Uh, she's iconic, one could say. In fact, her Twitter even says that. Yeah, so this week, if you couldn't tell from Brandon's really, really good bit, uh, we're here bit. to talk about, yeah, we're here to talk about 90 Day Fiance specifically, but also kind of like reality show and stuff, the thing that Brandon doesn't get. He doesn't get it, Erica. He doesn't understand. I know. Uh, you know what? He doesn't understand the appeal. My boyfriend does not like reality television except for Top Chef which is kind of mm-hmm. one of the upper echelon reality shows, if you will. Oh, yeah. People are like, it's not a reality show. It's, it's a not a competition. I'm like, look at how they fucking edited it. It's a reality show. It's a reality show. But I have converted him to 90 Day Fiance successfully. Oh, good. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, before we get deep into the weeds, we do have to cover uh, the thing we're into this week. Brandon Nose goes, you can't see me, but I have my finger in my nose. Jimmy Buffett couch tour. Jimmy Buffett couch oh, tour. Boy. Jimmy Buffett couch tour. Jimmy Buffett couch tour. Um, so because we're still in the throes of stay at home, um, a lot of artists have been doing like live streams on YouTube of uh, archival concerts on like a weekly or sometimes a couple times weekly basis. I know Metallica has been doing them. Uh, Fish has been doing them, uh, and our our good friend Island Boy himself, Mr. Uh, James William Buffett, has begun doing his own virtual couch tour. Um, and the other week, he played his Millennium concert, which opened with, which was uh, recorded at City Walk, which makes it even weirder. Um, <laughs> it opens with a full on like Lord of the Dance dance squad. And then there's a big sign, a big banner that says Lord of the Millennium. And then he is flown in over the crowd, dressed like Michael Flatley, and then proceeds to do a river dance. Um, 
and it's all uphill it's from there. It's a lot. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's quite a bit. It's quite a it's bit. It's quite a bit. Um, um but I, but it's it's. I will it's, give him yeah. this though. He's been watching them, and I've been in the room while he's been watching them. And the man does put on an engaging concert. He may yes. not be your thing, but he's just a weird old dad. Exactly. I didn't know you were a big parrot head. Oh, I've I've seen Jimmy Buffett probably going on ten times. Um, I also have the very odd distinction of being one of, I can imagine only a, a small handful of people on this island earth, uh, who has performed a Jimmy Buffett song at a funeral and it wasn't like as a bit or a joke. That's true. That's true. He did. Yeah. He did sing a Jimmy Buffett song at his dad's funeral. We went to see Escape to Margaritaville for his birthday this year when it came through the Dolby, mm-hmm. uh, the touring the touring of uh of Jimmy Buffett's uh, musical, and then because uh, it was opening night, uh, Jimmy Buffett himself came out and played during the curtain call. Hell yeah! Wow, he did. <laughs> it was great. It was the whitest we crowd the the C- Dolby's ever seen. Yeah, my friends and I went to the CPK in uh in that plaza in the uh, Hollywood and Highland Plaza. We went to the California Pizza Kitchen beforehand. We were the whitest people they'd ever seen. We were all wearing Hawaiian shirts. They told us it was cute that we matched. It was wild. It, it was like so hard. It was like peak, peak, peak suburban, just like weird. We were also bullshit. probably the youngest great. people in that audience by about fifteen years. I don't know the couple, the gay couple sitting next to me that was also losing their shit was also our age. True, but I think they were there a little bit more to make fun of it than we were. No, one of the guys was fine. It was only one of them was laughing really hard. Oh, okay, gotcha. And it was fine because he and I laughed at the same stuff. Fair. I don't know. It wasn't even a sold out house. so. Oh, God. Yeah. For opening night, it was like two thirds full, maybe. Wow. But yeah. then uh, we all started wasting away in Coronaville and it wound up not mattering. Which also meant I didn't get to see the SpongeBob musical when it was supposed to come through town, which is also uh, uh, the biggest Corona crime. Oh, I thought you meant. I thought you were making a beer joke because of Margaritaville, and I was going to go, no, I had an 805. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Beth, what about you? Um, Because I misread that situation slash the world. Uh, You know what what I'm not into? Allergies. Read the room, please. I don't need to be sneezing. Um, I, this week, what am I into this week? Unshockingly, Beth has come unprepared. Um, actually, you know what? It's kind of fanatic on, on what we're talking about. Um, I have just started watching season two of the, uh, the great family cook-off or the family cook-off showdown. It's on Netflix. Um, I should probably look it up if I'm going to talk about it. But it's a, it's a family <laughs> cooking show. They did. It's a Netflix produced one. It, it's it's a Netflix produced family cooking show. Um, the big family cooking showdown. And I had watched the first season of it last year, and it's it's British, so it's much more chill in like the model of like. It, it's interesting because it's kind of somewhere between the model of like a Top Chef or, or a Master Chef and the model of a Great British Bake Off. In that, like, it is very, it's not edited to be stressful in the same way that uh, American reality shows are, but it is still, like, a much more intense uh, competition where, like, they'll have, like, they have to create a meal with 10 pounds for their first challenge, or, like, they'll be 
a mystery ingredient or, or like the whole family has to pick one baker to do a challenge that's like a mystery challenge with a special recipe. Um, and it, it's these families. Wait, hold on. They expect one person to eat a 10-pound meal? Not, oh, fuck off. It's British. Um, and like they, they, they're these, these teams of three that are families and they're always like these interesting permutations. Like sometimes they're a nuclear family. They're like mom, dad, and a kid. But a lot of times they're like the mom and the two kids are like two brothers and a cousin. Um, and just watching a family dynamic play out in a stressful cooking show is, but like, it's not stress. I don't know how to explain how it's not stressful. It's really lovely. And they're cooking great food. That <laughs> like, sounds awesome. Lovely. Yeah. Sounds yeah really that good. sounds relaxing. And there's like 12 in the first season and 14 in the second season. So it's not like when you get a British show, a lot of times you're like, cool, I get four of them. Um, but because it's Netflix produced, it's closer to like a like an American half season. So it's nice. There's plenty of them. They're like an hour each. They're lovely background noise. I like cooking shows as background noise because I don't feel like I have to pay attention to every single item as mm-hmm. long as I see what they made. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. But yeah, that's my thing. That's my thing I'm into this week. I'm going to finish watching them probably today. Nice. Um, I'm really crushing on Bon Appetit's YouTube channel. Oh, hell yeah. And right now they're all doing it from home. So you get insight into their own apartments. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, Adam just has this like tiny little kitchen. It's just, it's just uh, really and refreshing. And you're like, oh, this ain't the test kitchen anymore, is it, babe? Uh-uh. <laughs> uh. It's great. He's just out there in Jersey doing his best. Like, it's pretty mm-hmm. great. I get it. When we lived in New York, one of our, our last apartment in New York, we had a galley kitchen that I couldn't actually open the stove all the way because it would hit the wall. Oh my God. That's amazing. You'd open it like, yeah, you'd open it like 60% of the way and then it would hit the wall and you'd just kind of have to like angle everything down and in there (laughs) to get it in. Hope it didn't spill. Couldn't fill anything too much. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's great though. Actually, that sounds dope. I'm going to have to look that up. The hardest part about watching like Test Kitchen or any of these things at home is they're like, yeah, you can make this. Here's some simple things you have. And they go out their like garden of shit. They're built. They're like growing themselves or like things that kitchen or like chefs are like, yeah, I always have a lemon on hand. I'm like, I always have a a lavender truffle. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) am I going to have to rob my neighbor's lemon tree? I I don't just keep lemons around. (laughs) Or like it'll feel like there's one ingredient that is so absurdly fancy. Where it's like that that can't be real. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're like, this is my favorite thing to use. Like I always have some of these on hand. And I'm like, what is this? Are you sure you didn't make this up? Uh, French press capers. And you're like, what the hell is that? <laughs> like... uh, you just put in capers are one of those things that I can never remember if they're a vegetable or a fish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, I, no idea. Yeah. No one knows. Anyway, we are here to talk not about reality cooking, though, about 90 Day Fiance. So, Erica, tell us, what is it about this specific show in general that does it for you? Okay, so the premise the of the world show. world of reality shows. Yes. The premise of the show is that to come, uh, basically, these people take vacation fucks and then come over and bring them on the 90 day fiance visa, which is the K one visa. And they film. Known as the, uh, mail away bride visa. Yeah. 
So they film them uh, and there's spinoffs. There's before the 90 days, which is where they haven't yet been proposed to. There's 90 day fiance. There's 90 day happily ever after where they find the married couples and they see what they're doing afterwards. Um, But it's basically Americans that have found, you know, foreigners on vacation or through online dating apps and the drama is so delicious because it's real people. They look all different sorts of ways. So, you know, they're not, it's not like a Vanderpump rules where everybody's really pretty. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's gritty. <laughs> some of these and people. And there's somewhere, there's somewhere people show up and they're like, this was not what you looked like on the line. Some oh, of them are like actually legit accidental, like catfishing, but they cat so fishing. earnest. They think it's okay. Yes. Like, Using filters and ring lights, and it's, I mean, it's incredible to watch these couples meet for the first time. It's incredible to watch them fight, because uh, it's it's fights that feel grounded in reality, not like any other reality TV show. Yeah, they're fighting about real things that are relatable, but in this incredibly heightened environment. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, with a K-1 visa, they have to, like, fill out all this paperwork and, like, declare that they have a real relationship. And then, like, the idea is they're supposed to be married at the end. It's not a visa for you to decide. No. It's like you have to be, like, you get one shot at the K-1 visa. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, these people come in and then there's culture shock and a lot of the families... I joked about it being the mail order bride visa, but that's what the K-1 loophole was and has historically often been used for is for people to declare, to get like a mail order bride from Russia and declare that it's a real relationship. Yeah. Um, and so people come in and the families are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And oh, it's, it's one of those shows that I love that when you tell people it's on TLC because people forget that TLC hasn't been the learning channel in a really long time. <laughs> like since we were 10. Yeah, it used to be federally funded like PBS. And so mm-hmm. it was the learning channel and now it's trash TLC and it is my sweet spot. Trash life channel. Hell yeah. Who is your favorite couple? Okay, so... I mean, I could go down the list of Danielle Mohamed, Azan and Nicole, Larissa and Colty, but Paul and Karini are my absolute favorite couple. And here's why. Paul is a... early days, season one. Yeah, uh, season... uh, Before the 90-day season one, yeah. Um, And then they were on 90-day fiancé season five or six, I believe. It's it's very convoluted. Uh, the way they order their seasons, but mm-hmm. Paul is a completely neurotic hick who falls in love with this woman, Karini, who lives a two-day trip up the Amazon River from, like, civilization. Whoa. And, yeah, Paul is, like I said, completely neurotic. He brings four storage tubs, like, military tubs worth of stuff. He has mosquito netting, uh, heat vest, uh, you know, gets malaria checks before he goes, gets all his shots. He puts on a condom so that fish can't swim up his urethra when he's swimming in the Amazon River. You know what? We've all, he can't be the first dude to do that after all the horror stories that we heard as middle schoolers. (laughs) I wear a condom every time I go to a water park. 
he can't be the first person to have done that. <laughs> so he explains. So Karini, this this um, you know Brazilian woman, uh, her father is a former police officer. And so when Paul tries to explain that he would like to take her to a hotel room to like have some intimate time, he mm-hmm. they can't communicate with each other. Like he doesn't speak Portuguese, she doesn't speak English. They have a translator app that they have to go back and forth on. Oh, it geez. is wow. iconic. And so when Paul I asked, haven't watched a lot of before. Mhm. This sounds wild. It's yeah. absolutely absolutely wild. Paul tries to explain that he wants to propose to Karini by putting out his middle finger and then making an O on top of it with the other finger, which looks like he wants to fuck her when he's trying to explain yeah, sure I'd does. like to put a ring on her finger. <laughs> wow. Oh boy. I mean, at one point Paul explains his past, which he's like had restraining orders against him he's had fires like he's been arrested and in jail for arson and he's explaining this to Karini and she's like I'm done like I don't want to film anymore and so he runs away he runs away uphill bow-legged it's one of the most iconic scenes you could ever imagine and then Karini gets mugged on camera with a machete but the Jesus production Christ. company is going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's getting mugged. We're getting mugged. Holy shit. Like, they yeah, break the like, fourth what wall. They, what are a bunch of PAs supposed to do about yeah. that? <laughs> I mean, so she gets oh, mugged. But they have to blur the guy's face out because they don't have consent to film him. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. It is, it is an iconic, iconic scene. And it is, is so funny and and they film her just on the ground crying because her phone's just been stolen and her boyfriend has just like explained that he's a felon and (laughs) and then she gets mugged they're oh i they're on the one where it goes the other way and he moves to brazil yes yes so they just had a season where americans went overseas um and there's this Honestly, one in- Americans weird lack of ability to like adapt to other cultures probably makes the other way so much funnier. I haven't is- watched the other way. Yet. Oh, the other way is amazing. There's this couple, uh, Avery and Omar, and she is like 19, a former gymnast, like used to be like a drinking all American girl. And she falls in love with Omar and he is like a strict Muslim. So she has adopted like, complete Muslim uh, clothing and her Mm -hmm. mother goes over there to witness the marriage and just to make sure that he is a good guy. But the problem Mm -hmm. is that he lives in Syria Mm -hmm. and you can't go to Syria. Yeah. It's the middle of a war right now. And her mother says this line, she goes, you know, like Avery's going through all these difficulties. Like she's learning you know, she's got this, like, her mother's having a difficult time with the culture and just that her daughter has completely 180'd. And she goes, I don't know. Avery's never been Muslim in the summertime, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> what on earth? Because it's really hot and they have to wear a lot of clothing. Oh, no, yeah. I know, but still. She's basically, she's basically being like, my white-ass daughter ain't gonna last. <laughs> 
It's, I mean... Whatever, God, no one calls you out like a mother can. Jesus Nobody. Christ. Nobody reads. And the mother has such a hard problem with all of the culture and the fact that, you know, Avery needs to be subservient and her mother is just, like, having such an adjustment with it. But Avery is, like, completely in. Like, she's completely adapted, but the mom is the one that kind of shows, like, her ignorant American ass a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty great. There's another couple, it's uh, a girl from Florida, and then, like, her Slavic boyfriend, and they met in Dublin while he was a bouncer, Mm -hmm. and he's extremely stubborn, I would say, and has a really hard time adapting to her family. This is, I'm talking about Elizabeth and Andre. Yeah. And she's pregnant at, you know, during some of the scenes, and she's explaining, like, I need you to get a job. Like we're married now. We have like the paperwork in place. I need you to get a job. Like I'm pregnant. And he just yells at her. Do not terrorize me with your pregnancy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, these are just like snippets of these people's lives. And this is why I think like you should be into it. It's like, it just continues to serve. Uh, There's another couple. It's shocking to me the number of these that when you, like, look through the list of them, that they, like, are still married or have a kid. Yeah. Especially when you, like, read the summary. Like, even the, like, the summary of Elizabeth and Andre, it ends with, like, Elizabeth and her sisters go to Miami for a bachelor party. He catches her in a hotel room committing sexual acts with multiple men. They got married in an outdoor ceremony, and the couple welcomed their first child in January 2019. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's the, you know, 20th century people are, are modern. Andre is the opposite of modern. (laughs) Yeah, his whole thing is that he wants, like, a traditional submissive wife. Ah. Uh, (laughs) And she changes. Like, she completely goes along with it. And her sisters are the ones that are like, what the hell? Like, you used to be fun and used to be able to joke around. But now you are, like, fully submissive to this man. Like, what is going on? Yeah. Um, Such a weird bummer. Yeah, and it's one of those. It's one of those things where it's also. Ninety Day Fiance is a weird one in that, like, it's very much seen, and I think you see this pretty well in the other way, which, like I said, I haven't watched a lot of, but I've seen some of them. But it is so skewed through our American cultural lens. And look, I'm not any kind of person who's going to be out here arguing like, yeah, it's good to be submissive to your husband, blah 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 blah. But like, if somebody has found a relationship where like the dynamic works for them and they're not unhappy and they're not being abused. And like, just because it's different from like how like people grow up, get sober and change their personalities constantly. Like, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that when we put it through the lens of this American cultural spectrum and obviously the intense pressure and editing of like a TV show, it looks like people are making these like wild bend over backwards, like abusive choices when maybe they're not. Like, you know, and it's one of those things that it's so weird. It's such a weird facet of reality TV. How much we want people to look like they're being taken advantage of when perhaps they're not. Yeah. And speaking of like being taken advantage of, I think that it's, you know, a lot of people see the, you know, the foreign fiancés as like opportunists, but like it's every bit just as much the Americans as well. Like, uh, 
like a lot of times families have hesitations surrounding you know these families and this like this fiance or this potential love interest and you see a lot of hostility and pushback from families so there's like a lot of inner fighting and a lot of people where it's so blaringly obvious to you and you're like dude she is straight up using you for a green card she is talking to hundreds of american men and you're just the one that has sent her the most money um and then sometimes you're like oh my God, these people are really in love and it's beautiful and they have to go through all these struggles. And um, on on the other way around, did you watch any of Ginny and Samit's story? No, I didn't. Yeah. No worries. Um, so Ginny is like a older than middle-aged woman from America and she is going to meet with her boyfriend, Samit, in India and at first he catfished her straight up yeah. used other photos catfished her and then came clean about it and she was like i still love you you're still beautiful to me <laughs> wow and so she gets over there and he sets her up with an apartment and um you know she she clears out her life savings and is moving to india permanently he sets her up an apartment and, you know, visits her and things like that, but hasn't told his parents about her. And as the season mm -hmm. progresses, you learn that he's actually in a loveless marriage. I was going to say, so, I bet he was married already, wasn't he? He was married already. And so she, they have to go through, like, the cameras left. Like, the, the cameras had to fly back to India. You know, that's what we call production is the cameras. Yeah. Uh, cameras left because they were like, well, this, this is kind of a happy story. Great. And they had to fly back because his family found out about Ginny and was basically like, we'll disown you if you continue to see this woman Yikes. and Yikes. and cut you off financially. Like, And they, I think, are genuinely like one of the couples that are like the most in love. And it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, and not all of the couples work out as much as I said that, like, it's wild to say, oh, look at them. They were, like, they're still married, but, like, not all of them do work out. So it's such a not shame at when... all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One couple that got really married. really are just trash people. Yes. One couple that got married in Jamaica uh, came over here, Ashley and Jay. She is in Pennsylvania. Jay is this, like, hot, young Jamaican. And Ashley has, like, a shit ton of trust issues because she's been cheated on in you know previous relationships and what she's are you marrying a 20 year old for what are you doing marrying a 20 year old that you like banged on vacation <laughs> i see no way that could go wrong well he has a tinder account because tinder says it's a great way to make friends and she finds it and like flips her wig <laughs> and she files for divorce but then it says she changed her mind a couple weeks later that's yeah. the last of the entry for them she has she two has, kids too she has two kids that are not filmed yeah. um they Good are not on that choice yes solid choice on that because some people do involve children and you're like yeah. I'm not a parent I can't make choices for anybody but come on yeah, like, it is not geez. good Teens and adults, I think they can make that choice themselves, but like I wouldn't put a kid on a reality show. Yeah. No. No. Um, speaking of kids, uh, one of the dumbest women, American women, that has ever existed is 
uh, Nicole, uh, and she's with this gentleman named Azen who lives in Morocco. Mm-hmm. So a very traditional culture. And she has a five-year-old daughter, May, who is like the most adorable, cutest child you've ever seen. Like this kid should be in commercials, but Nicole oh. is this like dumb, overweight, trashy, blonde American. And Azen has taken her for a wild, wild ride. It mm-hmm. is... Uh, it's almost upsetting. Like she feeds May like nothing but chicken fingers and like canned soup. And, and I don't know if May goes to school. <laughs> like yeah. she has like no other like child interaction, which I understand people's choices are like wanting to keep their kids at home. But at the same time, like children need to be socialized with other children. And May is just like constantly with her. Uh, Nicole has, like continuously sent money to Azen. Azen has called her like fat to her face and is like, you're going to work on it. Right. I'm like, I don't believe they ever consummated their relationship because he always pushes it off on something. Um, but I just like worried about this child more than I can yeah. concentrate on their yeah. relationship. Yeah. You're just like, oh, has nobody from the production company called child services? Because maybe they should. Well, she has these, like, amazing grandparents who, you know, Nicole's parents who, like, are, like, the voice of reason. And you just look at Nicole and she just persistently and, like, consistently just makes excuses. And, like, they were supposed to be setting up a store that they would be able to run. Mm -hmm. And there's no store. She just has... She just completely lies, like bald faced lies. Um, oh, have you ever yeah. seen the Steven Soderbergh short film Bubble? No, though I do know that that was like the first movie to be released both in theaters and on demand on the same day. Oh, cool. I did not know that. I only know that because I'm a total fucking dork. I love it. I love that. Um, so the. The thing with Bubble is that they use real real people instead of actors. And mm-hmm. um, it's about a woman who is like a middle-aged woman who works in like a, a doll factory. And she's got like this buddy at work that's this like hotter, younger dude. And they're just friends. But she, you know, does a lot of favors and does a lot of things for him. And then this other woman comes in and she's younger and like takes advantage and it's essentially the the middle-aged woman murders her and it's just like a really creepy short film but the acting and just like the dynamic reminds me so much of Nicole and Azen like just the exploitation themes that that seem to be going on with them, but I would recommend bubble. It's really jarring and like realistic, but um, Nicole and Azen are just like completely iconic to me. Like she's so everything about this that doesn't work and feels exploitative. Like, yeah. Yeah. And she just lies. She'll just lie to your face and you just question like, does she believe this or is she just a liar? And the answer somewhere, like somewhere in between, like, I think she believes her own bullshit at a certain point. 
Um, there's another woman who is on this most recent season is completely a delusion. Uh, her name is Yolanda and she has these beautiful children. She lives in Las Vegas and she's lost like, you know, a hundred, 200 pounds. Like she's made a major, like complete body transformation. Her husband has mm -hmm. passed away. So she finds this model on Instagram named Williams who lives in England. And you look at the photos and you're like, that's not Williams from England. Uh, <laughs> and then a reverse Google search. It's like this Italian model, this like Italian fitness model, you know, yeah. one, one Google search away is the answer. Yeah. But she believes that it's this man Williams and she's like, okay. So she calls him and is like, Hey, I'm gonna, they've never video chatted. That's a huge red flag. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I remember her now. People are like, what do you mean? He says his camera's broken. They're his like, camera's broken. Real. It can't be real. He can't yeah. be real. Uh, so she's going to go over there. So she's going to buy her ticket. And he answers the phone and has, like, a clearly, like, Nigerian accent. Mm -hmm. And you are like, what is happening? <laughs> Uh, and he's trying to tell her what airport to fly into, and it's like the wrong airports. And then he, the next day, his Instagram changes completely. Like all of the photos are deleted. He changes the username. And then she's still just like, I need to get to the bottom of what's going on. And her poor daughter is like, Mama, he is scamming you and catfishing you. And she's like, Mm, Williams wouldn't do that <laughs> and you're just like screaming at your television you know and, and you also want to that's the point too where I want to ask like she believed so strongly that this person was real that she applied to be on a reality show about it a hundred percent yeah like be, these people do not stumble into reality shows you have to apply and you are interviewed and it's there's like a process to be accepted to be set up on one of these things which means that she really believed this guy was real and she was in love with him so much that she agreed to have herself filmed for national television to yeah. prove how right she was yeah which is just heartbreaking it's just i i think that all of these stories, like, there's this element of hope that's underlying where you're like, I hope it works out for them. But then sometimes you're like, are you, are you truly, like, that hopeful that something will work out, that you're willing to believe anything? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that, that, that element of hope is, I think, the part that is the important part. Because, like, we could sit here and judge people all day, but, like... That's, that's the part of reality TV, I think, that is, especially things like 90 Day Fiance that are about such a specific high-intensity emotional thing, is that it it is ultimately hopeful. Like, as much as we as a society love to hate wash things or, or shit on them and stuff, you, you want it to work out for people, I think, inherently. Inherently, we want this to work out for these people, and it's just this fascinating high stakes way for them to be going about it <laughs> yeah there's this there's this woman darcy and she's been on a bunch of seasons she started out um she's from connecticut she's a twin mm -hmm. and she <laughs> uh meets Great this start. guy 
great start. She's 42. She falls in love with this guy from Amsterdam who's 24, just out of the military, is a personal trainer. She runs, like, a fashion brand, so she's very into, like, her aesthetic and, like, you know, wearing Louis Vuitton heels on the airplane. And uh, so she yeah, goes this through... this sounds very Connecticut. I'm from there. I can shit on it. <laughs> it. It was eye-opening because I was like, oh, Connecticut is, like, New York less bougie sort of okay wait here's the thing i'm gonna stop this really quick to defend most of connecticut, <laughs> connecticut uh, here gets, she goes again a lot of no okay <laughs> fuck you connecticut gets a lot of reputation understandably so as like the richest state in the union or whatever but all of that wealth and all of like what you're talking about that like less bougie new york thing is all very concentrated along like the southern edge of the state where all the like mansions on the beach are and down in fairfield county which is basically just an extension of westchester county and i will die on that hill sorry fairfield i'm from the other part of connecticut which is like 70 percent of connecticut is just like parking lots and trees like it's incredibly middle class yeah. it's the middle of the fucking woods like we don't have money <laughs> Um, yeah, and so it's so funny because everything that Connecticut is like super known for, I'm like, yo, that wasn't my experience. I went to public school. That's so. That's, sorry, that's just my little side, no. my little uh, side note on Connecticut. Like Darcy feels like she wants to be in that bougie world, but she lives a very middle class life. Yeah, yeah. She that's, owns that's a lot of Connecticut. There's yeah, people that are just like just upper upper middle class, but really wish they lived in Greenwich. Like. like Darcy was made for reality television. She sounds like, like it, yeah. <laughs> uh, so she meets this guy in Amsterdam, and they are just, like, not right for each other. Like, from the get moment, you can just tell, like, this isn't going to work out. But they're on, like, several seasons of, like, before the 90 days, 90 day fiance, like, where mm-hmm. are they now? The Like, it's insane. And so... They're in this this one iconic fight where she's cooking steak for dinner and she's like, hey, you need to cut that steak on a bias. I used to work in restaurants. I know. And Jesse's like, I'm going to do it the way I'm going to do it. And she's like, cut it on a bias. Cut it on a bias. And they get in this like huge blowout fight in front of her children. <laughs> and it is like, at one point she throws a shoe at him. And so they break up. They obviously break up and then she's back on a new season <laughs> with this guy in <laughs> England named Tom, who is like semi catfishing. Yep. Like he knows his angles, but if you look at him on the whole, you're like, mm, that's not it. But like in certain photos, you're like, like, this seems fake, but okay. This seems fake. This guy's really knows like what his angles are. Uh, uh-huh. And so, you know what? We live in LA. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? You know, you got to know your angles. Um, Darcy is just like a hot mess. Like, she gets more like, she starts off like a normal looking, well, semi normal looking, like dark haired, shorter woman. And then she slowly, like, the boobs get higher, the lips get bigger, the hair gets blonder, the extensions get longer. It's just Mm -hmm. like, Reality television is is what was Darcy was made for. Uh, Tom at the end of it. oh she fucking knows it and she's a twin and her sister yeah. just riles her up so much it's incredible like 
Darcy alone is kind of like semi-neurotic and a little bit, you know, just like high strung. But then when she gets around Stacy, it's like Stacy knows exactly which strings to pull and which buttons to push. And she is just like incredible, incredible television. That sounds about right for a pair of twins named Stacy and Darcy. Yeah. yeah, I knew that's... they were in. I knew they were a more recent season, so I just googled it. And from March fourteenth, just just one month ago, God help us. Uh, Tom Brooks and Darcy Silva have not had a friendly relationship following their appearance on Ninety Day Fiance before the, the Ninety Days season three. And though the two are appearing together on season four of the show, it seems as if their time together will likely document the decline of their relationship. <laughs> the two are clearly split up and have not been very cordial to one another on social media. In fact, yeah. plans are. Fans are starting to call Tom Brooks classless after his two latest stunts that poke fun at Darcy Silva. Whoa. Yeah, it's. Oh, I mean, look at these sequin bell bottoms she's wearing. She's absolutely made for reality TV. Oh, dude, yep. throw those in the chat. Just standing outside of Horizon. One of the greatest things about 90 Day Fiance is like after the seasons, they have these like reunions, which they call tell alls. And like, they'll Skype somebody in. Like, don't worry about yeah. it. We can't, they won't. Like, TLC oh, don't is... you worry if you went back. <laughs> yeah. We're, We're not going to fly anybody in for this reunion, but we will We will Skype them in. Holy uh, shit, those bell bottoms. My God. The best <laughs> part about Darcy meeting Tom is she, uh, he's like this posh English gentleman is what he tries to give off the illusion as. He's just like a dirtbag, but he has a British accent. Uh, oh. My she gets part here is that apparently Jesse and Tom have become friends and Darcy's mad about it. It's disgusting. Like <laughs> it's disgusting. Uh, so she is getting off the plane and she takes to the bathroom and does like a horse bath for like 40 minutes, <clears throat> just refreshing it up herself up. Uh, like perfume, baby wipes. She's wearing a blazer that's like long enough to be a dress and then like knee high over the knee boots, like thigh highs. And that's it. And that's like her first, like meeting Tom in person outfit is a, and he waits, he waits like 45 minutes while she's doing this, like fresh up in the bathroom. It's just, Oh, wow. The twins also have an Instagram, a, a co Instagram. Oh my God, that makes me sad. You mean a twinstagram? I have a co Instagram. Twinstagram, yeah. Ah! Mostly just them in in photos. It's just pictures of them in bikinis, making duck face. Yep, that sounds about Talking right. About how they're on the maxim? They're on the maxim top five list. So, Erica, let's. Uh, yeah, let's but that is the other aspect. Hold on, wait, Brandon. I was gonna say that's the other aspect to the hope that we were talking about. Sometimes. You just want the Schadenfreude. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to watch a train wreck, and there is something genuine. I mean, Schadenfreude is a real, like, psychological concept that, like, we that reality TV does speak to. Like, sometimes we just want to watch something fall apart without yeah. having to be a part of it. I mean, enough that there's a show tune about it. Yes, I know, but you you know what I mean. It's just yeah. you, sometimes you just want to watch something fall apart, and that is enjoyable. And I think that's the bad rap that like watching things like this in reality TV gets. It's like, oh well, if you want to watch bad things happen, you must be bad. I don't think that's true. I think sometimes it's just genuinely entertaining to, even though you know these people are real people. Like I said, they jump through a lot of hoops to get there. 
nobody didn't know what they were signing up for. Yeah, there's contracts, there's psych evaluations, like there's a lot of before work, like, yeah. They didn't pick these people up off the street. Um, and so they, they knew to a degree there would be public scrutiny of them. But, I don't know. If we had to, uh, what's, as, as we're, we're getting closer to wrapping up here, mm-hmm. uh, what are some other, other than 90 Day Fiance, if there were some other reality shows? I know we talked a little about cooking shows. What are some other ones that are favorites of yours that we can tell people to go watch? We all got time. We all got time for trash now. I am a sister wives slut. Like, I absolutely love the train wreck that is a man named Cody that's married to four different women, four different Mormon <laughs> yeah. women. Uh, can't handle any of them. Oh, no. Can't handle a damn one of them. And he's a mess. Uh, I like the Vanderpump Rules, although the latest season has been not great. Uh, but the first, like, three or four seasons is just, like, completely iconic, like, through and through. Like, people sleeping with each other's boyfriends because they were watching Drive and it made them horny. Uh, <laughs> true story. <laughs> You know how, and, like, yeah, it's just, like, the height of, like, aspirational, but, like, completely buck wild people who think that the rules just don't apply to them because they have money. It's, like, the height of that. And, and look, who hasn't gotten preposterously horny after watching Drive? Yeah, who doesn't get a little horny after watching Drive? Like, that soundtrack alone is I mean, just, like... watching Albert Brooks uh, slit Brian Cranston's wrists? Oh, my God. Yeah, right? <laughs> Uh, I'm and I'm a Housewives fan through and through. I've watched every episode of every season of every franchise. Hell yeah! Can I can I give yeah. you guys yeah. some some real I... like legitimate uh real Housewives hot gossip? From, Please. Like, Ten years ago. Oh, is this what I know. Of? I know this, this already. Yeah. This is, so one of my favorite facts about your mom. So my mom uh after my dad died uh, like a year or two later was approached by the producers of a pilot called real housewives of charlotte <gasps> and they Which asked, obviously did not end up getting made no it, it didn't wind up going anywhere but they approached her because you know her husband was a well-known guy in the community who had had some public issues with prostitutes and had died in a plane crash. Died suddenly in a plane crash. And oh she was God. alone in this big house. Yeah, it sounds really tragic when we say it. But if you phrase it, yeah, if you fr- if you frame it through the, the lens of a reality show, it was gold. To her credit, she did say no. Yeah. Wow. The one, like, f- responsible decision she made in those couple of years. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I don't know. I'm less of a housewife's person. I think that if I I go for things, I tend to go for um, more cooking or romance stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like ninety day kind of fits in there, but like um, I re- I really like cooking stuff. I actually really enjoyed the circle, um, which I didn't at first. I started watching it because it felt like society jumping the shark, um, and I just couldn't not watch that. But then it turned out to be like really hopeful. Um, oh really? Because I thought it was the most stressful fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I know because you didn't watch all of it. I think it ended up being this really like hopeful, interesting examination of like how we interact with each other in the world. I've been told the ones from the other countries are a little bit different, which makes sense because culturally they're going to play the game differently. I don't know. I think I like competition shows more than anything. Beauty and the Geek way back in the day was my jam. 
Erica, if you had to, if you had to recommend a reality show to someone who who is, let's say, reality curious, but mm-hmm. doesn't entirely know where to start, like right. ninety days yeah. could be good, but like, like I again, I've, I think it for depends like half, on what you're looking yeah. for. That's are you looking for a competition? Are you looking for relationships? Are you looking to just watch a train wreck? Are you looking for aspirational? Are you looking for inspirational? Mm-hmm. I th- I think probably somewhere between aspirational and inspirational. I I don't I don't really have much tolerance for people being mean right now, or like just like being shitty. <laughs> well, you could you always just go stick on- to Great British Bake Off. Go watch no. Go watch Queer Eye. Ooh yeah, Queer Eye's yeah. good. Queer Eye rules. Queer Eye is definitely great one. the intersection of aspirational and inspirational. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least the new, the new one. It's uplifting through and through. Well, Erica, thank you, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a uh, very enlightening. Yeah, I hope you guys watch and we can like discuss it. So let me know if you yeah, want. Yeah, I'll have to watch it more consistently. I've seen episodes of it just like in passing um yeah enough to have a passing familiarity but yeah i have not seen the program but i wish it well (laughs) well thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it and i i'm always looking to convert people to reality television if uh, oh yeah hey we all have the time now if people wanted to find more erica curry related content on their local internet how could they do that Ah, you should head on over to Iconic Erica Curry on Instagram, and that's where I promote pretty much everything that I do. It's a good feed. Thank good feed. you. It's Erica with a K. Yes, Erica with a K. It's worthy for people to know for finding you. Brandon? Uh, yes, same as always. Uh, I'm Helios Brandon on Instagram, SoundCloud, Twitter. Uh, my band Inkplot has some demos up on SoundCloud and some live sets up on YouTube that I think are, are pretty fun. Um, I've got a track in Joey Cliff's uh, 50 States project where he decided to crowdsource 48 albums of Sufjan Stevens's uh, unfinished 50 States project. Um, I've got a track on the Texas uh, EP called Deep in the Fart of Texas with my buddy Will Morgan. That's incredibly exactly what stupid. It sounds like. Um, <laughs> And I think that's it. All right. That's all of uh, my you can things. find me everywhere on the internet at B scores with an underscore at the end, B E E S C O R E S underscore. Uh, you can find the pod by following the hashtag Intuit Pod on Instagram or following us at Intuit Pod on Twitter or Facebook.com slash Intuit Pod. Uh, and as always, thank you to Camlin West and Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song. Starting over is a lot like giving up off the album. Falling is like flying. Uh, that's all I got. Thank you, Erica, for joining us. And uh, stay safe in your quarantine. Stay safe, y'all. Thanks. Bye. Podcast over. <laughs> <laughs>